Sin Media acknowledges and pays respect to the people of the Woiwurrung and Boomerang language groups of the Eastern Kulin Nation, whose unceded land the Sin Studio stands. Sin extends this respect to the traditional custodians and people of the lands and waters our content reaches. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Hello and welcome to It's Not A Phase Mum here on Sin. My name's Tammy and this is a show where each week I will dive into a different genre of music or a sub-community of the alternative. Here we're focusing on all things emo, goth, punk, hardcore. We're talking about the community controversies and the cultural shifts that these things have influenced outside of their communities. And today I'm very excited to be bringing you a brand new episode that is not about my chemical romance. For those who have been playing along at home, every single episode that I've done of this show so far has been diving into My Chemical Romance and why I speculated and truly believed that we were getting brand new My Chemical Romance content very soon. However, all of my prediction dates have passed and there is no brand new My Chemical Romance content. But it's fine. We move up, we move onwards. And today we are going to dive into the beef between Taking Back Sunday and Brand New. I think that this is such an iconic beef. I think that it has been blown widely out of proportion. I think that there is a lot of speculation behind it all. And I'm really excited to talk about it today. So stick around if you're excited to hear some tea about some emo bands from the early 2000s. If you're listening live, you can catch me every single Friday night from 9 until 10 p.m. on Sin. That's 90.7 FM, Sin on DAB+, or you can stream via Sin's website, sin.org.au. That is Sin spelt S-Y-N. As well, if you would like to catch up on previous episodes of my show, if you want to hear my deep dive into My Chemical Romance, even though the speculation did in fact not happen, you can find me on my podcast. It's not a phase, mum. Pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. However, I would recommend that you check out my socials at It's Not A Phase Sin, again, Sin spelled S Y N, on Twitter and on Instagram. There you'll be able to keep up with the show. You'll be able to see all of my updates and you can check the link in my bio to find all of the playlists of all the shows that I put out, as well as the podcasted episodes. And at the moment, you will also find a very valuable link that will tell you all about Sin's Radiothon. Between May 22nd and June 11th, we are asking you to pay for your sins to help keep sin on the airwaves. We're aiming to reach $50,000, so please head on over to the link in my bio or visit sin.org.au to donate. All donations above $2 are tax deductible and it puts you in the raffle to win one of three amazing prize packs, which includes really cool prizes like vouchers for Vic Market Tattoos. We've got vouchers for Heartland Records and Paradise Records. We have movie tickets to the Sun Theatre and Cinema Nova, plus many more, all kindly donated by local numb businesses and organisations. As well, your donation will directly support media training and radio opportunities for young people and amplify the music, culture and news that matter to young Australians so please help keep sin on the airwaves and online like I said everything above two dollars that is donated is tax deductible and it's nearly tax time so you'll get that money back soon anyway and it will help to keep 
us on the air. So thank you so much to everyone who has already donated. It means that I get to make fun and silly content like this. And on that note, let's jump into the beef between Taking Back Sunday and Brand New. So where this feud begins is with the formation of the band Taking Back Sunday. So... Hailing from Long Island in New York, Taking Back Sunday was formed by guitarist Eddie Rays and bassist Jesse Lacey in 1999. Now, this pair had both played in numerous other bands in the Long Island area and were both very involved in the local scene from a young age. Eddie, from what I hear, was a little bit of a local scene veteran. Um, They had played in a bunch of local bands such as The Movie Life and Inside and had just been involved with pretty much putting on every single show for every band in the area. The stories that I've heard about this man... He just sounds very busy. He just sounds like a very busy man that was very passionate about his local scene, but also passionate about their local scene, maybe not to the legacy that Eddie had. Um, Jesse Lacey was also very much part of the scene, had played in a bunch of high school bands and was currently playing guitar in a band called The Rookie Lot. It is important that you remember the name The Rookie Lot because we will be talking about The Rookie Lot a little bit later, but the important thing to note here is that this pair had not actually played in any bands together, they knew each other from the local scene, they respected each other, and they decided that they were going to form their own band together. They took their name after a lyric from another local band called The Waiting Process, and thus Taking Back Sunday was born. Now, they did manage to scrounge together a full band lineup. Some of them were old friends, some of them were new friends, some of them had played before, some of them hadn't. It is important to note at this point, though, that Taking Back Sunday is quite infamous for their many, many lineup changes. But for continuity's sake, I'm going to read out some names that you will probably not hear come up again. The original lineup consisted of Jesse Lacey on the bass, Eddie Rays on guitar, Antonio Longo on vocals, Stephen DeJoseph on drums, and John Nolan on guitar and backing vocals. Now, like I said, there are a lot of names that will come up here that you don't need to pay as much attention for, but a name that you really do need to keep an eye on is John Nolan, because John Nolan is absolutely key to this story. And the reason why John Nolan is key to this story is because John and Jesse Lacey, they go way back. They were childhood friends. They have known each other for such a long time. They played in bands together as teenagers, and they were pretty much thick as thieves. So, tell me why, three to four-ish months into this band forming, Jesse Lacey left the band that he had formed with local music heroes that he was excited to jam with and also his childhood best friend was in this band. Why did he leave three to four-ish months into it? Well, I can tell you it's because Jesse Lacey and John Nolan had a falling out. What this falling out was about, we didn't really know at this point. But we will come back to this. (laughs) The position of bass player, the vacant position that Jesse left, was taken up quite quickly, though. It was taken up by Adam Lazara. This is a name that will continuously come up. But what you need to know about Adam is that he's a really funny dude. Um, He was a 19-year-old kid who had just befriended the band at a gig that they played near his hometown in the High Point, Greensboro area of North Carolina. And he was offered the position of bass player after he himself had joked about joining the band because, and I quote, Long Island boys get all the girls. (laughs) Dude was committed though. Dude got offered the position, I believe by Eddie. It could have been by John, but 
Either way, got offered the position and as a 19-year-old just packed up their bags, got in the car and drove to Long Island to be part of the band Taking Back Sunday. He wasn't the only newbie to join the band around this time, though. Around the time that Jesse left, so did the drummer Stephen D. Joseph, who was swiftly replaced by a new drummer named Mark O'Connell. And even though it's quite clear that the band were still finding their feet during this period, during this time of lineup instability, they recorded and released their first EP. It was self-titled. It was released in 2000. Jesse Lacey was not credited for any bass work on this EP, but they were credited for some backing vocals on a few tracks. This will become relevant quite soon because what Jesse Lacey was doing around this time was forming his own band, which he titled Brand New. Brand New's lineup consisted of Jesse Lacey on lead vocals and guitar, Vincent Takati on lead guitar and vocals, Brian Lane on drums, and Garrett Tierney on bass guitar and backing vocals. And it's quite important to note here that Jesse, Brian, and Garrett had all played together in The Rookie Lot, the band that Jesse was in before he started Taking Back Sunday. And they had recruited Vincent from another local band called One Last Goodbye. Now, if I've been able to paint my picture correctly, you would be able to see that the Long Island scene was a very tight-knit community. The emo punk scene, if you knew one band, you knew every single band. All of the bands played together. All of the band members knew each other. People were forming their own bands and everyone seemed to know each other's business. It's also important to note that around this time was the rise of social media, pretty much very early social media. This was the early 2000s. This is when MySpace became a thing, which of course led to MySpace bands becoming a thing. It was so monumental for the emo punk sphere, particularly in small niche areas in America to amplify themselves, to raise themselves to a brand new platform And it was the perfect breeding ground for rumours and speculation, particularly about the Long Island scene and why Jesse Lacey had decided to leave the band The Rookie Lot to start the band Taking Back Sunday and then promptly leave the band Taking Back Sunday to form their brand new band that involved so many members from The Rookie Lot. What was clear and what was known at the time is that there was a falling out between the childhood best friends, Jesse Lacey and John Nolan. We just didn't know what that falling out was. Now, the first one to throw the stone in this iconic beef was Jesse Lacey. When October 9th, 2001, his band Brand New would release their first studio album, which is called Your Favourite Weapon. This is an emo punk classic. This is emo punk at its finest. It is such a great first album. There are so many songs on this album about growing up. There's a lot of songs about relationships and there are a lot of songs about friendships and friendship losses, which is where we get the song 70 times 7. This song is an emo diss track against John Nolan, and this gave us context as to what their falling out was truly about. Let me read for you the opening verse to this song. Back in school, they never told us what we needed to know, like how to deal with despair or someone breaking your heart. Twelve years I've held it all together, but a night like this is begging to pull me apart. I played it quiet. I left you deep in conversation. I felt uncool and hung out around your kitchen. I remember I kept thinking that I knew you never would, and now I know I want to kill you like only a best friend could. Scathing. Absolutely scathing there. But if we're going to dissect this first verse... 
there's a lot of heartbreak here. There's a lot of heartbreak and despair. Jesse was very clearly hurt by this situation. We're talking about being back in school. We're talking about 12 years of holding it all together. That's how long they were friends for. They went to school together. They were childhood friends for 12 years. But I played it quiet, left you deep in conversation. I felt uncool and hung out around your kitchen. They're at a party. They're at a party. And this whole beef has started from a girl. Jesse liked a girl and so did John. And something had happened between them. And it was all confirmed in the first verse of 70 times seven. Now, this is where the rumor mill really started to grind, though, baby. This is where people were making up things. This is where people were speculating online. So I'm going to pull us out of this time for a little bit, and we're going to jump to 2012. We're Taking Back Sunday basis. Sean Cooper confirmed on stage at a gig with Taking Back Sunday, and I quote, John and Jesse liked a girl. John made out with the girl before Jesse did. Jesse got real bummed about it. All these songs happened because of it. Now, I just bring up this clarification of what actually happened because the rumor mill online has blown it, honestly, so far out of proportion. And that's what makes this beef so iconic is just all of the misinformation that has spread on the internet. But people were coming up with crazy stories. There were rumors that this was actually Jesse's girlfriend and she cheated on him with John. There were rumors that it was more than a kiss. It was more than making out. Um, they had sex and this really just broke Jesse's heart. There were all sorts of things being said, but this beef what was clear at the time and what is extremely clear now is that this started with a girl. Before we move on, I do have some more lyrics that I need to draw your attention to. We have the bridge of the song that goes, Is that what you call tact? You're as subtle as the brick in the small of my back, so let's end this call and end this conversation. Is that what you call a getaway? Tell me what you got away with because you left the phrase from the ties you severed when you said best friends means friends forever. Now, we will touch on this all more in just a moment, but while we're here, we need to draw attention to the lyric, best friends means friends forever, because that was originally a Taking Back Sunday lyric, according to a 2003 interview with Adam Lazara and John Nolan with Blender Magazine. It was a scrapped song. Jesse would have known that. Jesse probably had something to do with that song. And this is what truly kicked off the beef. In March of 2001, just a couple of months later, Tell All Your Friends by Taking Back Sunday was released. This was the band's first album. Important to note at this point that Adam Lazara had now graduated to frontman. He was singing and the position of bass that he left was filled by Sean Cooper. Now, this is another really great emo album, though. Sonically, it's quite different to Brand New's album, but it tackles a lot of the similar themes as a lot of the emo bands did back in the day. But the iconic thing about this album is that we get a direct response to 70 times 7. This song is called There's No I in Team. Why is this a direct response to 70 times 7, you say? Well, because we have some direct references to not only the situation, not only the falling out between John Nolan and Jesse Lacey, but to the song, to the lyrics from 70 times 7. Now, if we're going to read some lyrics, we're going to start at the very start of the song. Well, I can't regret it. Can't you just forget it? I started something I couldn't finish. And if we go down, we go down together. Best friends means, well, best friends means. That right there is a reference to the best friends means friends forever lyric in the bridge of 70 times 7. But 
let's keep trucking on. But you never knew. Well, I never told you. Everything I know about breaking hearts, I learnt it from you. It's true. I've never done it with the style and grace you have, but I've made long-term plans based on these mistakes. Now, you're going to think that we're reaching a little bit, but this bit here about breaking hearts calls directly to the first verse of 70 Times 7, where Jesse is singing about being heartbroken by a friend. Could this just be regular heartbreak? Possibly. But I promise you, we have a lot of evidence that this ties directly to 70 times 7 in a moment. But while we're here, while we have read these lyrics, I do just want to point out that this is such a remorseful song. 70 times 7 is very scathing in the way that it talks about heartbreak, whereas this song is just very remorseful in the way that it talks about heartbreak. It's very clear that John was very sorry for what happened and didn't think it was going to have as much of an impact as what it did. However, where we get a little bit cheeky is in the bridge of this song. Now, I'm not going to bother reading you the lyrics because it's a lot of vocal layering and it's a lot of um, lyrics on top of lyrics. But what you need to know is that they have taken the lyrics from the bridge of 70 times 7. They've just ripped it. They've just completely stolen it. Is that what you call tact? I swear you're as subtle as the brick in the small of my back. That's right, he said. So let's end this call and end this conversation. Throughout all of this, there are vocal layerings that are calling back to responses. They are calling responses to the lyrics that Jesse wrote in the bridge of the song. And it's very clear. This just makes everything very clear. Speculation is gone. We know what there's no I in team is all about. This was their response to 70 times 7 by Brand New. Now, while we're at it, though, this song is a little bit cheeky in the sense that it references another song off Brand New's album, which is Mixtape. The lyric in No I in Team goes as follows. And I've got a $20 bill that says you're up late at night starting fistfights versus fences in your backyard. The lyric in mixtape is, I've got a $20 bill that says no one's ever seen you without makeup. You're always made up. This is such a cheeky little jab because like we said earlier in this 2003 interview, Adam and John have stated that the lyric about Friends Forever was originally a Taking Back Sunday thing. And so this is them taking some lyrics from Brand New just to have a little bit of a mess around, have a little bit of a play. As well, while we're on the note of mixtape, though, this is a song about being heartbroken by a girl. And so it can easily be speculated, is this song about the girl that got in between Jesse and John? Who knows? There can be a lot of speculation about a bunch of songs on both albums, and that's what makes this beef so fun. But the last one that I'm going to draw attention to is Taking Back Sunday's Timberwolves at New Jersey, which, unlike There's No Iron Team, isn't so much of a direct response to a song. I simply think that this is more of a call-out song of its own. This is John's turn to get angry. Here are some lyrics. Get up, get up, come on, come on, let's go. There's just a few things that you should know. Those words at best were worse than teenage poetry. Fragment ideas and too many pronouns. Stop it. Come on, you're not making sense now. You can't make them want you. They're all just laughing. Literate and stylish, kissable and quiet. Well, that's what girls' dreams are made of. And that's all you need to know. You have it or you don't. You have it or you don't. 
Now, I'm not sure if this is actually confirmed by either of the bands or not. However, this is my favorite speculative part of the beef because this song is a lot more jabby and a lot more scathing than There's No Iron Team ever was. There's No Iron Team is quite a remorseful song, but Timberwolves is very, very forward with its mentality of they don't like the way that Jesse Lacey writes poetry. They don't think that he has treated the situation very well at all. They think that Jesse's being a little bit immature at times. But the thing that really hammers home that this could be a song about Jesse and also could be a song that was written very early into the beef is the next lyric, which is, Stop it, come on, I know I can't help it. I got the mic and you got the mosh pit. I got the mic and you got the mosh pit. Was this written around the time that Jesse Lacey wasn't in a band? Who knows? It's all just speculation. Now, it's very clear that a lot of this beef was just speculation. A lot of it was the rumor mill just churning away. But the reality of the situation is that this beef was seemingly squashed quite quickly. Jesse and John reconnected and both bands were on very good terms. But like I said, this was emo beef in the early 2000s. And with the rise of social media and MySpace, this tiff caused a stir and both of these bands absolutely milked it. Before the release of Taking Back Sunday's albums, the bands were already performing together again and promoting each other's bands quite publicly. Jesse Lacey was thanked in the liner notes of Tell All Your Friends and John Nolan has a writing credit on Your Favourite Weapon. Like I said earlier as well, Jesse was featured in backing vocals on Taking Back Sunday's first EP that was before all of these songs were ever actually released. And in late 2002, Taking Back Sunday and Brand New actually went on tour together with another band named Rufio and so you would think with all of this evidence fans would understand that everything was all patched up and squeaky clean but nope fans still speculated and made their own narratives. Jesse Lacey has said reminiscing on this time that they pulled a huge crowd at these shows because fans thought that they would fight each other on stage so the bands just kind of kept leaning into it. On this tour, Jesse Lacey would come on stage with Taking Back Sunday and perform There's No Iron Team with the band. There is a lot of footage of this happening at a bunch of different shows and the crowd was absolutely going off. So it's very clear that even if the crowd wasn't necessarily there to watch them fight each other on stage, the crowd was aware of the existing, the history of the beef of these bands and they were aware of these diss tracks, these songs that the bands had written about one another. Brand New actually released merch with the tagline, Brand New, because mics are for singing, not for swinging, which is referring to Adam's signature mic swing that he had happening, I was going to say at the time, but he still does this to this day. He grabs the mic cable and just swings the microphone around in like kind of like a lasso on stage. Little sound production note from an audio engineer, terrible, terrible practice. That is a good way to break an XLR cable, but... Taking Back Sunday responded with merch of their own with the tagline, Taking Back Sunday, proudly swinging since 1999. It's so much of a thing that people still talk about it today. I mean, I'm doing an episode about it right now, but this reputation at the time was a reputation that both bands simply could not move past. Both bands were continuously asked about this beef in interviews all the way through the 2000s and the 2010s. Granted, Taking Back Sunday had a lot more to say about this just because they were a lot more active of a band than Brand New was at the time. But the beautiful thing is that there were no bad words really to be said. 
In particular, it was always really funny when Adam was asked about it and when Adam talked about it because he wasn't there for the beef and did not know Jesse as well as everyone else because he wasn't as deep into the Long Island scene because he was from South Carolina. Now, I feel like I could bring up all of the receipts of every single interview that both the bands have done around this time where they just kind of say, yeah, it was a thing that happened. That's how we were all feeling at the time, but we're all fine now. Yada, yada, yada. But I'm not going to do that because that's pretty much every single interview that happened, um, except for where things did kind of resolve, where around the early 2010s, Taking Back Sunday did kind of start to confirm that they had moved away from brand new, in particular from Jesse. And it's just played off as a natural progression. They don't really run in the similar circles anymore and Brand New weren't really as active of a band. And so it just kind of would have made sense that they wouldn't see or hear from each other. This was until a 2015 interview where Adam Lazara was very firm in stating the following. I just think Jesse Lacey is a word that I cannot say on the sin waves. He just sucks. He's not a good person. This was a very out-of-pocket comment at the time and brought a lot of attention back to the feud because, like I said, everything that had been said before now made sense. They had patched up, they had made up, they had just moved on with each other's bands and each other's lives. Taking Back Sunday, again, I cannot state this enough, were a very active band. They were kicking goals. Brand new kind of moved into the shadows a bit. They were a lot less active of a band. In particular, Jesse Lacey was a lot more of a private person. What could warrant a comment like this? This is only speculation. It is not confirmed why Adam Lazara said this. However, I do think this very much ties to the information that came out in 2017 when Jesse Lacey was called out for sexual misconduct happening 15 years prior it was one of the first kind of Me Too movement things to happen to the emo scene. And it's not something that I'm really going to delve into. However, it was kind of confirmed that Jesse Lacey might not have been as good of a person as we thought. In conclusion, a lot of this beef is just speculation. A lot of it is just the rumor mill churning away. A lot of it is just really fun when you listen to both of their first albums side by side and think about some emo boys just writing diss tracks about each other, just so pressed because they were fighting about a girl. But it's an iconic beef and it will always be iconic, whether it's speculation or not. Make sure you tune in again next Friday from 9 until 10 p.m. on Sin, where I will give you another episode of It's Not A Phase, Mum. You can tune in via 90.7 FM, Sin on DAB+, or you can stream via Sin's website, sin.org.au. That is Sin spelt S-Y-N. And make sure you keep up to date with my socials so you can hear about all of the updates that are happening on the show at It's Not A Phase Sin. Again, SYN spelled S-Y-N on Instagram and Twitter. You'll be able to find a link in my bio to all of the playlists of all of the songs that I play on every single episode of this show, as well as all of the platforms that my podcast goes out on. It's not a phase, mum, pretty much wherever you get your podcasts, but the really cool link in my bio at the moment is to do with SYN's Radiothon. We're aiming to hit $50,000 by June 11th. We are asking you to pay for your sins to keep sin on the airwaves. Make sure you suss that link in my bio or head over to sin.org.au to donate. 
All donations above $2 are tax deductible and it puts you in the raffle to win one of three amazing prize packs. The prizes included are super duper cool. We've got things like vouchers for Vic Varket tattoos. We've got issues of literary journals. We've got a starter pack for the Melbourne Electronic Sound Studio, plus many more, all kindly donated by local NAM businesses and organisations. So make sure you check it out to keep me on the airwaves, creating mediocre content, creating silly content, content and also to keep my friends on the airwaves who are extremely talented and do really really cool things thank you so much to everyone who has already donated that's what keeps us being able to do what we do here at sin this is where i'm going to leave you now but make sure you keep an eye out for the next episode next friday you've been listening to it's not a phase mom here on sin with tammy bye if what you just heard's raised any issues for you, here are some people you can call right now to talk to. Lifeline, 13 11 14. The Kids Helpline on 1800 55 1800. Or Beyond Blue at 1300 22 46 36.